0: On with our end time studies, and we continue on in the book of Daniel, and we're looking at Daniel chapter 7. What I want to briefly do is just give a brief overview from chapter 2 onwards, and then go into Daniel. But I don't want to go into Daniel um, in-depth, so I'm just going to give you a brief overview of the book of Daniel, and then we're going to be going into Daniel chapter 8 in the next podcast. Also, what I want to say to you is that when we deal with the book of Daniel, I'm not going to deal with the Antichrist or the little horn. I'm going to be holding over all of that to once we finish dealing with Daniel up to Daniel chapter 12. I want to deal with a separate section just looking at as many scriptures as possible of the Antichrist from various different prophets and, and apostles in the Bible that I possibly can do. And so we'll really focus in on that as we focus in coming into the middle of the seven year period and the beginning of the great tribulation as the Antichrist is manifested. Again, my uh, I, I, I get my references from Heslop, William Constable, Jacob Prash, Derek Prince and others as well. Um, so let's begin. Just a brief overview, chapter two. So just remember, from chapter two around verse four to chapter seven around uh, to twenty-eight, he writes in the Aramaic language. So he switches from Hebrew to Aramaic, and then he switches back to Hebrew. And so a possible understanding that the prophecies within that parameter of the Aramaic language were there for the Gentile nations specifically. Understanding the times of the Gentiles, which Jesus refers to in Luke 21, verse 24. Let me read that quickly, amplified. They will fall by the mouth and the edge of the sword and will be led away as captives to and among all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled completely or completed. Now, in the first slide I've given you, which I've given you previously as well, we're looking at the chaistic form of how the book of Daniel is written. So you need to basically understand that because it gives you a framework to study the book of Daniel. Also, what you've got to understand from my perspective of the book of Daniel, when I read Daniel, when I see how he prophesied, Daniel gives us a macro view of, from his perspective, the future history of the world. And so where we stand now, looking back at what Daniel has written, we are now looking at the rise, from my perspective, of the fourth beast. And all the machinations that are taking place around the world today uh, deal with the rise of the final Babylonian manifestation of the statue of these four beasts that we're going to read about in chapter 7. So what we will then do is once we've Given, got this overview, this macro picture from Daniel, very accurate picture from Daniel. We can then go back into the book of Revelation and then start filling in the blanks in the micro detail of what takes place. And I will show you a few illustrations of this as we're going through Daniel chapter 7. So, what we have here is we have in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7, we have two pictures of the manifestations of the Babylonian system the satanic Babylonian system gentile empires that are going to exert control over Jerusalem and the Jews until God's kingdom gets established so what you do on the grid and we, we you, the, the, the 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 scriptural grid that I give you and we update Um, fairly regularly what you need to do then is you need to begin to place these images the statue or the four beasts on the grid now remember these images give you the macro picture spanning from babylon in daniel's time right up until the antichrist empire gets established and gets destroyed by jesus christ I've given you slide number two. It's, uh, I've got a couple of pictures that I really like that I've downloaded off the internet, and, and I think this is a phenomenal-looking picture. So just have a look at it, and it's just for your interest. Right, let's get into Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to give you a brief overview of the book, and then we're going to read uh, out of the Bible Daniel chapter 7 and, and, and two other ch- uh, chapters that have reference relevance for from our perspective of Daniel. So in chapter 2 we have Nebuchadnezzar's vision dream of a the world empires. In chapter 7 we now have Daniel's vision of the of of future world history from his perspective. So a brief breakdown which you can just get from any reference book commentary is the, we have the four beasts in verses 1 to 8. We have the Ancient of Days and the Destruction of the Four Beasts in verses 9 to 12. And then we have the Son of Man's Kingdom from verses 13 to 14. So I'm only going to speak from verses 13 to 14 onwards very briefly. My reason for that is... We're going to have the interpretation of what these kingdoms are. So you can read about these kingdoms and understand them and then basically begin to meditate on them with a few pointers that I'm going to give to you. And then we're going to be briefly looking at the fourth beast. But as I said, we're not going to go into detail with regards to him because we're going to be setting aside quite a few podcasts to deal with the Antichrist. So, from verse 13 to 14, we've got the son of man's kingdom. 15 to 18, the interpretation of the four beasts. 19 to 22, Daniel's request for further interpretation. And 23 to 25, that further interpretation comes. And then the end of the fourth beast. Okay, so, this is the first of four visions Daniel gets in the next Chapters up to chapter 12. So he gets chapter 8, 9, 10, and 12. So in this chapter, we can basically relate this chapter to chapter 2. This is what Nebuchadnezzar got, chapter 2. This is what Daniel gets of the same vision in chapter 7. That's my perspective. That's my conclusion in this issue when I look at this. This chapter gives us a framework And further develops the picture that Nebuchadnezzar got of of the kingdoms coming. And as I've mentioned earlier, it gives you a phenomenal framework on which you can basically come in and place and color in a lot more details of these kingdoms. From our standpoint, looking back in history, and from our standpoint, looking forward, to the manifestation of the fourth beast's kingdom, the fourth beast, and the coming of the Son of Man's kingdom and its everlasting qualities. It's very, very important that you really begin to understand what Jesus' kingdom is going to look like and how it manifests how it comes about. Reason being is that there's going to be a lot of deception involving the manifestation of the Antichrist kingdom. And a lot of people, Christians, going to jump to that kingdom because they are not aware of what the kingdom of christ is going to look like and how it is actually going to manifest and be established on the earth in slide number three i've given you uh, a comparison of the two chapters chapter two and chapter seven that chapter four should be actually chapter seven and so you can basically go in and study that and have a look at that um, at your leisure when you can download this the, the, the slides. Let's read chapter 7. In the year of Balthazar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, in my vision... At night, I looked, and there before me were four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The fourth was like a lion, and it had wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground, so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, Get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the other former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. I just want to pause here in verse 9 and talk about, just very briefly throw this out at you, that there's this heavenly counsel that God has. And we can see this in the book of Job. So if you go and read the book of Job, you can see how God calls all these angels, these thrones, these powerful beings to give an account of what they're doing. His clothing was as white as snow, and the hair on his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, and they, and they were allowed to live for a period uh, for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in my spirit, and the vision that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all of this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying with its iron teeth, bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up but before which 3 of them fell the horn that looked mo- uh, most mo- uh, uh, sorry the horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully as i watched this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them until the ancient of days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the most high and the time came when they possessed the kingdom he gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from the first from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones, and he will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try and change the set times and laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hand for a time, times, and half a time, but the court will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the people, sovereignty, uh, then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under the heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. What we've got to understand is, is we need to saturate ourselves in Scripture. And we need to saturate ourselves in an understanding of what these events will look like. Um, because one of the greatest things that is going to be facing the end-time church, the end-time saints, is Deception. And one of the greatest deceptions that are coming, and we're facing a lot of deception in the church, and you can see my deception in the church series right now, where we've got this influx of ungodly teachings and doctrines of demons coming to all levels of the church, all denominations, it's spread broadly across them all. But the greatest one that I feel the end-time church is going to face is the revelation of the kingdom of the beast, this fourth kingdom. And the manifestation of the king of this kingdom, the Antichrist, the beast. Because the false prophet, the greatest deceiver of all time, in my book, is going to get the church to worship this beast. So what we need to also look at is various other scriptures which we're going to be putting in and, and, and filling in the gap. So I'd like to read Psalm 2 and Psalm 110. Psalm 2, Amplified. Why are the nations in an uproar, in a turmoil against God? And why do the people devise a vain and hopeless plot? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and His anointed, the Div- Divinic, D- Davidic King and the Messiah, the Christ, saying... Let us break apart their divine bands of restraint and cast away their cords of control from us. He who sits enthroned in the heavenlies laughs at their rebellion. The Sovereign Lord scoffs at them and in supreme contempt he mocks them. Then he will speak to them in his profound anger and terrify them with his displeasure, saying, Yet, as for me, I have anointed and firmly installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. This day I have proclaimed, I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them in pieces like earthenware. Now, therefore, O kings, act wisely. Be instructed and take warning, O leaders, judges, rulers of the earth. Worship the Lord and serve Him with reverence, with awe-inspiring fear and submission and wonder. Rejoice, yet do so with trembling. Kiss, pay respect to the Son, so that He does not become angry, and you will perish in the way. For for His wrath may soon be kindled and set aflame. How blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God are all those who take refuge in Him. Psalm 110, also amplified. The Lord Father says to my Lord, the Messiah, his son, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet, subjugating them into complete submission. Then the Lord will send the scepter of your strength from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves willingly to participate in your battle, in the day of your power, in the splendor of your holiness. From the womb of the dawn, your young men are to you as the Jew." The Lord has sworn an oath, and he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings in the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment in overwhelming punishment among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will crush the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head triumphantly. What I'm trying to show you here is that as we begin looking at Daniel and the macro picture that he gives to us, we can then start to put into that macro picture other passages of scripture that will begin to show us what that future is going to look like. And so what I think is taking place here is in Psalm 2, you're looking at the enthronement of the Lord Jesus Christ, which you can see again in Revelation chapter 4. And then you're looking at Psalm 110, which is going to be the establishment of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. The establishment of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be interesting, and we'll talk a little bit about about that now. But let's just read verse 13 and 14 of chapter 7 of Daniel. I kept looking in the night visions and behold on the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, the Messiah was given dominion, supreme authority, glory, and a kingdom that all the people's nations and speakers of every language should serve and worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So, Daniel's got this vision and he sees this 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 event taking place in heaven. If you're able to pause your the podcast just pause it and then go and read Revelation chapter 4. So the son of man gets brought before the ancient of days. The angels, the attendants of the heavenly court, thrones, all those Rulers, principalities, um, that we see, we can see in Job chapter one. We can see various pictures of this all the way through the word, through the word of God. They now usher him in to the enthronement ceremony, where Jesus Christ gets given his kingdom, all authority, power, and dominion, and glory gets given to him by the Ancient of Days, by his Father. Uh, Psalm two, verse six. Yet as for me, I have anointed and firmly installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. Psalm 110 verses 1-2 to The Lord Father says to my Lord, the Messiah, His Son, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet, subjugating them into complete submission. The Lord will send the scepter of your strength from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. So the Son of Man becomes the prominent person in the vision and he, and he, gets, he gets dominion. He gets glory. He, uh, he gets given this kingdom from the Ancient of Days. Just a thought that's popped into mind with regards to the people that are following this dominion theory theology where we've got to establish the kingdom and then rule it and then hand it over to the Lord Jesus Christ. For me, it doesn't happen that way. The Father, the Ancient of Days, hands it to Him. In the enthronement ceremony that we see in various passages throughout the Scripture and we see in Revelation chapter 4. So, He gets given and He receives dominion. He receives glory. And He receives a kingdom from the Ancient of Days. His rule is global over everything everyone and everything and that rule is 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 an eternal rule and it and and it will last forever so what you've got to understand about the process of succeeding kingdoms the preceding kingdom gets destroyed by the succeeding kingdom So the gold kingdom of Babylon gets destroyed by the silver kingdom of Cyrus and so on and so forth, Alexander. And then we come down to the Roman kingdom and then we come down to the final beast kingdom, the Antichrist kingdom. The process takes place. So when Jesus' kingdom comes, it destroys the preceding kingdom. But the difference here is that there will be no more kingdoms that follow the final fifth kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fifth kingdom, the coming of the fifth kingdom, the events surrounding the fifth kingdom is something that you need to be very, very familiar with, especially in light of the fact of how the enemy is going to try and come and sell you a bill of goods, which is The bill of goods of the Antichrist kingdom and the Antichrist as Christ and the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. So you need to really begin to understand what that looks like, understand how it's going to happen. The second coming of Jesus is going to be very evident, obviously. The destruction of the preceding kingdom and its rulers is going to be very evident, although the devil might preempt try and preempt that and 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 we'll talk about the wound the head wound that the antichrist receives so we go on in daniel verse 15 to 18 and we get the interpretation of these kingdoms as for me daniel my spirit was distressed and anxious within me and the visions that appalled me in my mind kept alarming and agitating me I approached one of those who stood by and began asking him the exact meaning of all this so that he, so, so he told me and explained to me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings who will arise from the earth, but the saints, the believers of the most high will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and for all the ages to come. So sounds very familiar to John the Apostle explaining the visions in Revelation. We get a more macro picture from Daniel where we get a more uh, detailed picture from the Apostle John and we can fill them in. So even though Daniel has all these kinds of visions and dreams, he he still gets alarmed by what he sees. And so he goes and he starts to address, he, he goes and starts to participate in his vision by addressing the angel that is around about him, and he starts to ask what it is that he has actually seen. He asks for an interpretation. Verse 17, the four great beasts are four kings who will arise from the earth. So the interpretation is a general one. So the first thing he gets is a general one. Remember what I've shared with you and told you in the Old Testament, the king and the kingdom are interchangeably used, and the king and the kingdom are always viewed as one and the same thing. Whereas here in our days now, if we look at a nation, it's the people of the nation, not the rulers of the nation. In the old days, it was the the rulers of the nation that represented the the nation. And so when we look at the beast's kingdom, we can see uh, the the Antichrist has a kingdom, but he also is an individual. Uh, A couple of verses from Isaiah might interest you. Isaiah 17, 12 to 13. Oh, the, the uproar of many peoples who roar like the roaring of the seas and the noise of the nations who roar like the rumbling of mighty waters. The nations roar on like the roaring of many waters, but God will rebuke them and they will flee far away and be chased like chaff on the mountains before the wind or like the whirlwind dust before the storm. Whenever the Bible, from our perspective, talks about the sea, it's talking about the nations of the earth, humanity, and up until Christ's kingdom, the, 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 the picture of humanity is it's in, it, it's in an uproar, whereas around the throne of Jesus, it's like a sea of glass. Isaiah fifty seven, twenty to twenty-one But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah forty-six, seven to eight. They lift it on their shoulders in religious procession or into battle and carry it. They set it in its place, and there it remains standing. It cannot move from its place. Even if one cries to it for help, the idol cannot answer, it cannot save him from his distress. Remember this and take courage, take it to heart you rebellious and disloyal people. So, four kings, four kingdoms, and the beast represents both the king, the individual, and the kingdom. Verse 18 talks about the saints of the Most High. Um, at the time of the end, the final revelation of the final manifestation of the fourth beast's kingdom, I believe that um, the saints here are those that are connected with the Lord Jesus Christ as well as probably a real strong attack against the nation of Israel itself. Because of this war launched against the saints, the saints of the highest one, we then start to see one of the responses of the Most High, of Jesus Christ, is to come and settle the issue with the devil, with the Antichrist, because of their persecution of the saints of the Most High. And people will share then, people who are connected with the Son of Man, will then share in the everlasting kingdom. And that involves ruling and reigning with Christ. And we can see that in Matthew chapter 24, Luke 19, 2 Timothy 2, Revelation chapters 5, 20, 22, etc., etc. Let's move on. Verses 19 to 22. Then I wish to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, extremely dreadful with teeth and iron and claw of bronze, which devoured, crushed and trampled down uh, what was left with its feet and the meaning of the ten horns, kings, that were on its head and the other horn which came up later and before which three of the horns fell, specifically that horn which had eyes and a mouth that boasted great things which looked larger than the others. As I kept looking, the horn was making war with the saints, believers, and overpowering them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the Most High God. And the time arrived when the saints, the believers, took possession of the kingdom." So again, we see the representation of the fourth beast and the little horn. Um, I'm not going to go into this in-depth. As I've mentioned previously, we're going to be dealing with the Antichrist in a couple of podcasts and go into it fairly in-depth. But just briefly looking at this passage here, we see that this beast had claws of bronze. So it's going to be a very, very fierce and violent Uh, kingdom. There's going to be a lot of death involved when this kingdom finally manifests and comes out of the sea. Uh, The little horn we see is larger than the other horns, accounting for the ability to rise up and replace the three horns. Um, It wages war on the saints and overcomes them, which, as I've said, is one of the explanations of God coming in and bring in judgment. You can also see that in Revelation chapters 11, 12 and 13 and 17. We'll discuss that when we go back into the book of Revelation. And then finally God passes judgment in favor of the saints. Uh, what you can also find here is you've got two titles from God. That you pick up. Ancient of Days and the Highest One. Which stresses eternally and sovereignty respectively. Verse 23 to 25. Thus the angel said the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it as for the 10 horns out of the, this 10 the, the, the as for the 10 horns out of the 10 this ten kingdom 10 kings will arise and another will arise after them and he will be different from the former one and he will subdue three kings he will speak words from the most high and where down the saints of the Most High. And he will intend to change the times and laws, and they will be given into his hand for a times, half a time, so that is three and a half years. So the angel now gives the prophet a little bit more insight into the fourth beast, and particularly the little horn. And we see the jewel identification of the beasts of the kings and the kingdoms, and so that becomes clear and obviously from my perspective what we're going to be starting to look at is a one world government under a worldwide dictator so you've got one dictator so you've got a, 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 rev- a revived babylon starting to take place and come into being here um we'll go into that as i said and we'll go into verse 24 and 25 as we get into the antichrist um podcasts. Uh, Let's move down to verse 26 to 28. The court of the Most High will sit in judgment and his dominion will be taken away, first to be consumed gradually and then to be destroyed forever. Then the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints, believers of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all the dominions will serve and obey him. This is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my waking thoughts were extremely troubling and alarming, and my face grew pale, but I kept the matter of the vision of the angel explanation to myself. So the angel continued uh, the, and, and, and and maintained that the heavenly court is going to pass judgment on the Antichrist, and then God will remove the dominion and destroy it forever. You can see that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 19. And then the fifth, final kingdom, under the leadership of Jesus Christ, will then commence. And then the angel reiterates the role of the saints within this kingdom. Remember, we're a kingdom of, we're part of a holy nation. And then Daniel marks the end of his vision with uh, being pretty terrified. Um, I'm going to be going into this a little bit more in depth as we go into chapters 8 and further on in into the book of Daniel. So I'll be re- repeating myself, repeating this vision. Um, we get more and more revelation of these beasts and what happened historically uh, between Daniel and ourselves. So just to end off, I've given you slide number 5, which is a comparison between Daniel's chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7. So you'll see Chapter two is man's viewpoint and chapter seven is God's viewpoint. So you have an external view of how man would look at these Babylonian empires, these, the grandeur of it. And then we have an internal view of how God would see the, the the moral standing of that empire. Again, the grid is there in slide number six and our table, which I've not really updated too much, will be a, a slide It's number three there, but it should actually be slide number seven. Well, that's it. We will then progress to Daniel chapter nine, and we'll start getting a little bit more deeper in Daniel chapter nine, and then go progress further into the book of Daniel. Have a great day. God bless.